Hey there, it's Shelley. And before we get started, a couple of quick explanations. This is an episode about virtual assistants and smart speakers, and it is entirely possible that one of yours will be triggered during our conversation. We tried our best, but we slipped up a few times. Sorry about that. Second thing to know is that one of my guests, Darren Carr, uses a life support machine, and he has done his best to remove as much noise as possible from the background of his recording, as have I. You will notice some noise artifacts, and you'll also notice that there are some breaks in Darren's speech. Darren is a podcaster, and he's very upfront about all this on his own shows. And I decided while I was going to do my best to remove extra noise, I would not edit Darren's speech because that's the way Darren talks. So with those explanations out of the way, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane, your host. This is episode seven for October 23rd, 2018. I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, I have two great guests with me. I don't have virtual assistants, which was my initial plan because that's what our topic is going to be. But I invited actual humans to join me to talk about speakers and virtual assistants and all the things related thereto. And let me introduce my guests now. My first guest is Andy Anatko, well-known technology journalist, columnist, especially in the Mac space, but now inexplicably, and we'll get him to talk about that, he hosts a Google and Android-related podcast called Material <laughs> on Relay FM. Hi, Andy. How are you? Hey, Shelley. I'm doing fine. I just like to keep them guessing. Yeah, what's up with all that Google stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, it's part of the world, and the world is my beat, Shelley. The world is my beat. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my second guest is Darren Carr, who is a blogger at themacquad.com and host of the MacQuad podcast. Hello, Darren. Hi. Great to be on. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. It's great to have both of you. And uh, I, I do want to talk with you guys about smart speakers and virtual assistants. And to get into it, I should say that uh, I was eager to have Darren as a guest on my show. He recently invited me on his program, the Mac Quadcast. And I said, Darren, so what do you want to talk about? What is interesting to you lately? And, uh, and it was Darren who suggested, and I've been thinking about it for a while, that we talk a little bit about smart speakers and virtual assistants and the services that are related to them. Unfortunately, Google and Amazon have been cooperative with us and give us a lot of hardware to talk about. There are other players in the market like Apple and Facebook and Microsoft to some extent. And so I thought we'd kick it around a little bit and talk about smart speakers. But, but let's sort of set the stage a little bit um, and talk about how we use smart speakers in our own lives. Darren, what, what speakers do you have and what are you uh, 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 eager to get in the future? I currently have... Um... Sonos One, uh, two Sonos Play Ones, uh, Amazon Echo, and an Echo Dot. I used to have a HomePod, but it really didn't suit my needs for a smart speaker, so I sold that on. Um, I'm not sure um, what if I'm going to get any more, um, but you know what, um, Sonos speakers are like they tend to breed themselves <laughs> oh yes they do i have some of those as well uh, so andy what about you what's your smart speaker landscape uh, there's a, I started off with uh, Am with Amazon Echoes, uh, but when the Google Home came in, I bought one just to sort of test out and, and write about, and those are the ones that <laughs> that that have been breeding around the house. 
because it really and really is I'm sure we'll talk about it later but it really is about the the level of assistance and how sort of human the voice is so now I have um, I've, I've got a Google Home Max in the office uh, I've got another Google Home Max in the bedroom I've got a couple of Another Google Home that's uh, basically for extending uh, the extending the audio into the bathroom for when I shave and shower in the morning, and then I actually got a Lenovo smart screen, which is another thing I bought for testing, but wound up being something that I actually used, and that's sort of in the living room uh, within eye shot of the sofa when I'm just sort of you know hacking around on the sofa. I'm glad you have that smart screen because I know very little about that part of the ecosystem, and I want to ask you some questions about it when we get to that. Um, I personally have a couple of Echo Dots. One of them was given to me. Otherwise, I probably, I don't know what ecosystem I would be in, but my sister gave me a dot one Christmas because she wanted me to join the cult. Uh, they have <laughs> Amazon Echo Dots all over their home, and their their children order dots around in their bedrooms, which I'm not sure is advisable, but I'm not a parent, so I don't get to say that when she's hearing listening to me. Uh, and then I have... Uh, Siri on my Apple devices, which is not quite the same, but it does a few things. And then I have, to the extent it's possible, I have some older Sonos devices that are connected to the Echo ecosystem. So I can tell the Echo to play the Sonos devices, but the Sonos devices themselves don't have Alexa inside. So I can't order the Sonos devices around, which is starting to irritate me uh, <laughs> in any case. So, so as I mentioned earlier, the big players all released new stuff. Amazon and Google most notably didn't release release one or two products as follow-ons. They released a lot of products this year, this fall, in fact. Uh, Apple's HomePod is out there, but not a lot has happened. They introduced Siri shortcuts this fall, and uh, Microsoft has made some updates to Cortana. So I guess my question, which is intended to be a very broad and general one, is what do we know now, this fall, with all these new announcements about the virtual assistant speaker market that we didn't before? How has it evolved? And, and how are you thinking about it differently than you, than you might have before? Andy? I think the... the uh, it really it's it's it stops becoming sort of consumer choice once you uh, once you have started to really rely on or at least use a smart speaker a lot uh, because uh, when I I had had the unusual situation last year where I moved and uh, after uh, after having uh, uh, going from like a one floor. Uh, apartment to a, uh, excuse me, I went from like a, a two-floor house to like a one-floor condo slash apartment sort of thing. And so I was able to, <laughs> I had like two fighting cats. I had the Amazon equipment on the top floor and I had the Google equipment on the bottom floor only because... <laughs> Only because I I I I first I first liked the uh, the Amazon smart speaker because of course it was first and that's where like they wound up and then when I started acquiring acquiring uh, Google stuff to test out uh, but not, but then when I moved if as with everything just like you decide okay I'm not going to have like 18 different kinds of sheets anymore I'm not going to have you you you're able to sort of build something from the ground up and it really uh, the echo the echo really kind of lost out I just realized that I enjoyed working with and through the uh, the, the Google Home a, a lot more uh, and uh, 
that's I, I and I think that's what kind of does the deal. I think I think that's the reason why last year we found uh, that both of both of the entry level smart speakers from Google and Amazon were like it was really hard not to get one for free last holiday. So it, it was it, no matter what you bought, there seemed to be uh, an Echo Dot or or, or or a Google Home Mini included in with the deal because they know that as soon as they get you talking to one of them, you're not going to switch platforms to uh, to another one. So th- that's I think that's that's the biggest factor in terms of what we've uh, uh, I don't I don't really uh, know much about marketing but the thing that I've learned about these things is that or at least uh, on a personal level you really have to like the the fake person that you're talking to and I do like the personality of uh, of Google Home I like that it's more natural speaking I like that uh, I can do continuous conversation with it and a, a tiny, tiny thing, uh, which seems really, really weird, but I like the fact that I can say thank you when I'm done talking to it, and it will recognize that and say, just doing my job, like, or you're welcome, <laughs> uh, I'm here anytime. Uh, I, that's uh, that's actually something that when I uh, first uh, got in touch from, got uh, Amazon in touch with me about uh, this new smart speaker thing, after testing out for a month, I did like uh, unsolicited, just ask for a couple of features, but one of them was it would be really great to be able to say thank you at the end of a, at the end of like an interaction with this thing, Not, uh, and that's part of what helps you to sort of think of it as a pseudo person because it's not just something that you, not to, it's, it's not a waiter that you just sort of shoo away when 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 it's done with you. It's really is a part of your home, uh, and in the Google and in the Google Home, it uh, the Google Assistant, it actually has a feature about it where uh, it will keep listening for more commands so you don't have to say you know hey Guillermo I'll, I won't use the trigger phrase in case people are listening to this through their own smart speakers but if you uh, when you're done with it you just say thank you then that then the the microphone sort of turns off and it goes back into I need the trigger phrase in order to keep going uh, anymore but again I like the fact that I, I say these things and it actually responds the way that a human being would. So I think that the humanity or the, the pseudo humanity of these features is what really gets people to become fans. Uh, that and, of course, all the features that you can access through it. But I think that that's what gets somebody to really stick with one over the other. It's unnatural to say, a lady, thank you, which I have found <laughs> myself doing. And And the funny thing is that when I started using the Echo Dot, I wasn't as clear on the way I needed to structure commands, which I think is an issue for that system in any case. But I've gotten better at it. And so my desire to say thank you to her is greater <laughs> than it otherwise was. But I, I find my if it's very backwards and very dyslexic for me to say, hey, lady, thank you. Because if yeah. I say thank you to her without her trigger word, she doesn't know what to do. So <laughs> The continuous listening actually sounds like it would... Um solve one of my problems because um, being on the ventilator my uh, speech cuts out so if the device was listening all the time until there's a trigger word to turn it off then it would make life much easier for someone like myself on a ventilator Other than that are you fairly comfortable in the Amazon universe and especially with all the new things announced this fall has it changed your perspective about that or Andy said that uh, once you're in one of those universes you tend to stay in that um, particular 
um, environment because I started with Echo uh, as soon as the Echo was released in the UK and you just get used to the way you have to ask for things, uh, the speech patterns and everything like that. Um, I can't say I'm excited about the new releases this year. I mean, the Echo Dot needed sound improvements, but it seems to me that it is too small to have a decent speaker anyway, but the design of the new Echo Dot look, looks much nicer than it did um, the Echo Plus, the one thing that I think will add to the Echo Plus is the equalizer. Um, all of these devices, uh, especially the HomePod, don't have a equalizer so you can't reduce the bass or mm. increase the treble and I think the big issue with the home port was not being able to reduce the bass because it was very very heavy on the bass and that can cause issues with people with hearing problems um, my mother has uh, quite severe problem with heavy bass it just um, causes her to have rumbling in her inner inner ear and um, I don't think any of these companies take those type of things into consideration they just say this is the level you should be listening at you can't change it uh, so I think the equalizer on the Echo Plus will be a very good thing. But that doesn't affect the way it is able to understand your speech. It's in terms of what you're able to hear. Is there anything that these companies have or should do to make it easier to understand speech, whether it's uh, hesitant speech or whether it's quiet speech or ha have any other characteristics that are sort of not, quote unquote, in the mainstream? Um yeah, as Andy said, um, the continuous listening until you say thank you is a really good thing. As I said, it would enable me to give longer and better commands to a device. At the moment, the Echo just listens until it thinks you've finished speaking, whereas I probably haven't finished speaking. It's uh, a, a break in speech doesn't mean that I've finished giving a, giving a command. So with the Amazon Echo, that is a problem. 
So the thing that we got this fall from both Amazon and Google was just a raft of announcements, especially Amazon. You had everything from a new version of the dot to a microwave to a wall clock to <laughs> all sorts of things. And Google, similarly, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't know the Google ecosystem as well. So as I was reading through the releases, I was learning about how some of their devices use the cast operating system and some use a ver version of Android. And it's just, it's, it's really dense and complex. And I, I guess I wonder if you guys think that we're still, they're just throwing things at the wall at this point or whether it's possible to discern a, a strategy or an ecosystem that's going to make sense to consumers when they're either for holiday purposes, getting those things for free with other stuff, or whether they're <laughs> intentionally going out and saying, you know what, I want some smart stuff in my house. I wonder which ones I should buy. Yeah, that's it's it's hard to say. I, I think that the Amazon's announcements really do feel like a shotgun sort of approach, and I do think that that's the sort of stuff that might wave off the like the the normal humans as opposed to the tech heads like uh, like us, because when you hear when you hear about uh, here's a smart speaker that sounds great. And it will turn lights off and on when you get home just by asking it to do stuff, and it lets you set alarms and timers. People kind of get on board about that, particularly if it's 99 bucks. When you start to say, here is our Amazon Echo microwave oven that will tell you, that will let you set the temperature, and that's when people think, yeah, that's not really a very difficult, I, I never, I've never need to set the temperature of my microwave from across the room. Uh, that's not really the sort of thing that that, that troubles me a lot. Uh, you really need to get people in on the core features. Uh, Google has been a little bit more precise about this when they try to get people interested in the in, in the smart home stuff. It's either stuff that like uh, Nest cameras, uh, the Nest doorbell, uh, security smoke alarms, stuff like that, that's very, very tightly integrated with uh, the Google Home and the Google Assistant. Or they're talking about, oh, and by the way, third parties uh, have uh, have integrated Assistant into their devices in certain ways. Um, the, the, one, of the, one of the really difficult things, I think, continues to be how difficult it is to understand the whole like uh, smart home uh, field of play because uh, whenever uh, I got the new version of the Google Home app which is sort of like the center the, the the phone app that acts as sort of a universal uh, control for uh, the for your Google Home stuff and you, you, and when you're adding a new device, you just get hit by this fact where uh, it asks you, well, which uh, which maker is making this, or and they're they're kind of asking which platform does this use, and you just scroll, 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 scroll because there are dozens and dozens and dozens of companies, some that are trying to some that are trying to make. Uh, like a whole family of light bulbs and heat sensors and things that open and close your blinds and companies that are just doing this one thing or just have added this one feature to this one thing in their product line. And it's it comes across as something really, really complicated. So I can see why Amazon wanted to say, well, here is a smart microwave. You don't have to worry about whether it works or not. And we hope that you'll be buying it with the intention that you'll be controlling it or at least observing it with, uh, with the Alexa. But uh, I, I really think that the what, what people but the thing that really sells people on these speakers is still setting a kitchen timer for twenty minutes, uh, timing a, timing a hard boiled egg, uh, and I think that people have to sort of focus on that, not to limit what these these things can do, but to understand that 
that's how people like to interact with these things. They don't really want to build another network of devices that have to be managed. And I think that when you start uh, promoting all kinds of hardware devices, here's a smart fridge, here's a smart, uh, here's a here's a smart toaster oven, here's a here's a smart. Uh, God, I'm, I, I, smart uh, caramel apple heater. That's when people start to say, okay, this is just something that, I, an idea made by nerds and sold by nerds. And I don't consider myself a nerd, so I don't have to buy this. The other day I uh, was, was talking to somebody about some of this stuff and I used the example of a smart popcorn maker and I figured, <laughs> well, surely such a thing exists. And somebody said, wait, are you sure that's a thing? And I said, no, I'm not, but it will be in about five minutes. So <laughs> I, I was startled to find that maybe there isn't a smart popcorn paper. I'm sorry, Derek, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say that I think that Amazon have gone completely over the top with their product range this time. It's, um, I think they've added too, too much. I think that it would be so much better for consumers if there was a set amount, a smaller amount, I should say, of products in their range that are much easier to understand than the what they've released in this update. I mean, the Fire TV Redcast. I don't think many consumers will understand why they need a Fire TV and a Fire TV Redcast. And also the um, Echo Sub. A lot of people will not realise why they need a Echo Plus and a Sub. And the fact that you need a Echo Plus to actually use the Sub is even even more confusing, I think. And I think many of the other companies have realised that it's better to have a smaller amount of products that are easier to under, understand than the way that Amazon have gone about this uh, release of their products. I guess I wonder, in the case, for example, of the microwave and, and the wall clock, it does seem like for a lot of people in, in a mainstream environment, that doesn't necessarily make sense. And, and frankly, even though I might like to talk to my microwave, I'm not inclined to buy a new one just so it can talk to me. It seems like a, a, a better interf better experience would be the ability to add some sort of intelligence to existing devices. Of course, that's a challenge. How do you do that? But I... I'm sure that for some people that microwave or the Instapot that has speech as and could be theoretically controlled by some sort of smart device would be kind of a cool addition to what they've already chosen. But again, that, that has to be somebody who's already in the Amazon ecosystem, right? They're not – if you have a Google devices and you look at that, you're going to go, well, I can't buy that microwave because it's not going to be friendly to my, my Google devices. So – yeah, you know, I, I think that one of the difficulties for companies is that they can't they they can't afford to pick a pick a side. They have to make sure that that supports both uh, both major platforms. Um, but I, I think that the way to go is uh, so long as uh, stop saying things like, "Hey, you can control your uh, your 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 instant pot uh, via voice. You can control it via 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 your smart assistant." It would be enough for me if it was just able to answer a question. Uh, if if the Google Assistant or uh, or, or Alyosha could 
just get an answer from it, such as saying how much time is left on my uh, on my roast, and just give me a time back. Uh, it's the it does seem a little bit of inefficient that whenever I throw like a steak in the in the sous vide. I've I, I will I will always have to I will always have to at the same time do a voice command that sort of duplicates the timer I've put on this device uh, to so I'll, so I'll be getting like a, a notification at the same time but with the device that I actually interact with. To me too, it's kind of reminiscent of I don't know if you've had this experience, but I have been to friends' homes whether it was house sitting or just visiting for a while and found myself in charge of the entertainment system because they're not around. <laughs> and so I have four remote controls in my hand and I have to figure out how they interact with one another. And I, it seems like this whole virtual assistant space could end up in the same way. Do they have Google? Do they have Amazon? What commands do I issue? What skills do they have enable? I can't tell you how many times I've asked my dot to do something and its response was, that skill's not enabled. You could enable it if you want to. Of course, you don't know <laughs> what the syntax is and all that sort of thing. Does Google have an advantage because people use the assistant on their phones, especially if they're Android people? I think so because it's so tightly integrated with uh, all these other Amazon services, excuse me, excuse me Google services. Um, like, uh, I, it is kind of my favorite way of setting appointments because you can do you can do things like and this is a this is an example of like the the added intelligence that uh, that I love about it that uh, I'm setting appointment saying set uh, set set an appointment for uh, next Thursday at two uh, two p.m. Uh, lunch with Dave. And then said, "All right, two p.m. lunch with Dave. Is that correct?" And then you can say, "No, I want to change the time." So, okay, what time is it? And one p.m. Great, one p.m. It's it's this sort of stuff of being able to talk naturally through these things. And uh, it's uh, what has to what we really have to keep in mind is that this isn't uh, these smart assistants. Uh, they aren't a, they aren't a, a feature so much as they're a computing platform. And so the commands that you give are part of the user interface and the ability to use that same user interface, no matter where you go, I can use it on my watch, I can use it uh, on my smart speakers, I can use it uh, on my phone, just pretty much everywhere. Uh, that in itself is a, is a very, very useful feature. And uh, that's, that, that's, that's how it kind of, again, puts that hook in your heart and uh, <laughs> make sure that you don't, uh, you don't want to switch to anything else. So this is a question designed to elicit hot takes, but what does that mean for Microsoft and and Siri, Apple? Are they uh, are they doomed because they don't have hardware, they don't have complete ecosystems? Maybe because in the case of Apple, they have been a little bit behind the other two players. I think with the Apple um, question, it seems they've backed themselves into a corner. They're using technology that is very difficult for other companies to access. Everything needs to be seems to need to be agreed by Apple, and that's putting a lot of companies off going into that world, which means that a lot of existing products are not being used by Apple, so if people go over to the HomePod system, then they've virtually got to reinstall and re 
buy everything in their smart home and also there's so little integration with other services such as music services i mean with the echo you you can use your voice to either control spotify deezer and julian radio whereas none of that is available on the apple device i think apple is um backing itself into corner and not it's not going to be as successful as the other players in the market yeah i i I definitely agree with that i think their big problem is that um they the the thing is it it can it costs you only 30 bucks to have your first trial of uh, of uh, an Amazon smart speaker or Google smart speaker it cost you $350 to give your first try of an Apple smart speaker and uh, their first their, their first entry into this market was a very Apple sort of move which is to say we're going to make the most beautiful smart speaker that's out there and we're going to have the best audio we're going to give you su- every time that uh, they put it out for uh, for like a press uh, press event it's always we're going to give you a side by side by side by side listening demo uh, where you don't know what speaker is going and I, we we guarantee you that you're going to think that this is this this is the best sound uh, of anything any smart speaker that's out there and that that might be true even though it's a subjective sort of thing but it misses the point that people don't necessarily buy uh, buy a, a Google Home or a, or an Amazon Echo because they want great sound quality it's because they want a computing platform that gives them a service, gives them some help that they weren't getting elsewhere. So, and uh, as, as as one of those fools myself who's bought so many of these speakers, it becomes a sort of thing where you kind of want to have, act, just like you want to be, the reason why your phone is so useful to you is that you have it in, uh, in your pocket at all times. One of the things that makes these smart speakers useful is when you find a place for it in your life and you wind up saying, I kind of bug, it kind of bums me out that there's a place in my house where I can't ask, oh, well, what time is my next appointment and not get an answer. So that's when you start to realize that how about we'll, we'll put one in the basement uh, in the in the shop because that's one place that where nothing actually reaches. So until Apple makes this thing accessible, uh, it's hard to know if they really think that uh, a smart speaker is a is a real platform. Right now, uh, it isn't. It feels like Siri is a feature of a phone that you can also get in a speaker, as opposed to thinking of this again as a as a computing platform, which is what Amazon and Google are doing. Yeah, Darren, why don't you talk a little bit about why you got a HomePod and then sent it away? What? Why did it not work in your life? Uh, the HomePod. The smart speaker that I use in my bedroom is more of a complete entertainment system for me. And being paralysed from that down, it has to have complete voice control. Um, People have said that you can use the HomePod via the phone, but as a disabled paralyzed use that's not an option so um i like to listen to audiobooks there that wasn't available on the home pod i like to listen to the radio i'm even even though i do listen to a lot of 
music through music services, I'm still a big radio fan and the only service that was available on the HomePod was um, Beats One, which is probably a little bit too young for me. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the other things were no sleep timers. There's no ability to just say set a sleep timer for so long and when you're asleep the smart speaker goes off and you don't have to worry about switching it off. Uh, as I said, the sound quality, they say that it's the best sounding speaker, but in my view, the ability to alter the bass treble is a big thing. And if you're listening to a speaker when everyone else in the house is asleep, you want to turn that bass down because otherwise everyone in the house will be up and listening to it. So I just found it a very limiting experience. And I consider myself an audiophile, but I didn't buy a HomePod. And there are a couple of reasons for that. I think, first of all, as you say, it it's missing basic smart speaker functionality. So you can call it a smart speaker, but Apple didn't even give it the tools it needed to be initially. And then even as it has improved it and Siri integration has grown, it's still not complete. And it's missing the features you talked about, as well as just access to outside services. But this is my crackpot theory of the day is that I feel like uh, audio and entertainment as opposed to technology uh, like phones and like maybe smart speakers, but sort of audio devices tend to last longer. Like one of the reasons I haven't bought a lot of audio gear that's related to smart speakers is that I have perfectly lovely stereo equipment and speakers and and devices that I bought a long time ago. And I guess I wonder whether that it even makes sense for Apple to say, all right, we're going to create a quote-unquote audiophile device and we're going to convince people to drop $350 when if you think about what you can get for $350 as, a, as an audiophile if you need it, you're going to get a lot more buying something else. And then like I say, there's just there's not the same sort of planned obsolescence and churn in audio and entertainment equipment as there is in, in in phones and tablets and the things that we talk about on shows like this. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, when you uh, with the Google Home Max and with the uh, with the Apple product, they say, oh, when you get if you want, it will stimulate it will simulate stereo sound. OK, but the only way to really get that sort of stereo uh, room is to get two of them. And now you're talking about seven or eight hundred dollars. And now you're really talking. Now you're talking about getting a good like a, a ample a 4K video receiver amplifier two very, very good bookshelf speakers. And as well as as impressive as all these demos that Apple gives about, oh, I know it's only about the size of a grapefruit, but let's but let's look at all of the different technologies we put into it to uh, to use use a, a built-in 
computer to to shape the sound to simulate uh, bigger speakers that are separated uh, by by distance. And well, there's nothing. But there's the thing is when you have a, a bookshelf speaker that is a conventional size, you don't have to simulate anything. You just put a speaker in there and a tweeter in there, and it sounds awesome. Uh, but the the only but the there's also a case to be made that um, the the all of my Google Home equipment has sort of had uh, as they get sort of replaced or upgraded, they do find other roles outside the uh, in other places in the house. Like uh, uh, I was actually listen, I would uh, I was actually listening a lot to just the basic Google Home speaker. Uh, and uh, when I got the Google Home Max, that Google Home speaker went to someplace uh, else in the house where I needed to have access or where I wanted to listen to audiobooks or where I wanted to have the speaker. And uh, uh, the only thing that really hasn't made the transition is my Google Home Mini because I just can't figure out where I need to put it yet, uh, although I could probably solve that problem. So, and 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 it is nice that uh, I did buy one Google Home Max. I bought a second. I bought the second one, quote unquote, to test out the stereo features of it, unquote, <laughs> and then wound up keeping it to uh, to put it in another room. But it's nice that if I did want to upgrade uh, to like real stereo in the office or real stereo in the bedroom. If I bought another one, I could just make it a pair and suddenly designate this as a as a stereo pair, uh, because uh, the th- the th- the thing is that it is possible for eight hundred dollars to get a much better stereo system, but a lot of people don't necessarily have eight hundred dollars all at once to invest in something that seems frivolous like that. So it's nice that if they do put $400 or even $129 into one speaker, they can upgrade to stereo later on and sort of recycle the the older stuff that they have. The obsolescence of phones and computers and that is we think something that is the reason why Apple avoided making a television set. So... Yeah. To make a speaker that is not going to be renewed every so often, like, like a phone every year or two, it seems that they've gone back on what they said they, not what they said they was going to do, but what everyone was um, assuming the reason they didn't make a television. And also, as Andy said, the cost of two speakers to make a stereo pair, especially when you've got such a good system like Sonos, which I think most audio files have gone down that road. And they're not going to get rid of their Sonos system just to have two Apple um, devices. And as you said Shelley the um, people have invested a lot in their stereo systems I mean I've still got my turntable and everything from years and years ago so people aren't going to just bid uh, bid all of that just to get a couple of um, home pods the first Sonos device I bought was a Connect, which is not a speaker, but a little device that lets you add Sonos control to your existing stereo system. Yeah. And I thought it was just, a, it's a brilliant little device because I connected it to an amp. I have, I mean, we did, we've had this house for 
almost 20 years. And so we have speakers in the ceiling and we have a nice set of speakers in the living room and some outside. And I connected the Sonos and I, I wasn't able to divide them into rooms the way that you can with the Sonos. I've since acquired a couple of more Sonos speakers. I have three Sonos speakers at this point and we'll probably end up getting another one. And, and the that's interesting to me as well because I read something – it was several months ago, so it was before this current set of Amazon and Google announcements, but something to the effect that people – that this writer felt that Sonos long-term prospects were actually harmed by the fact that Amazon and Google are doing what they're doing with smart speakers, even though Amazon has some Sonos integration now. And I guess, as Darren, as a, as a fellow Sonos fan, what do you think of that? Do you feel like Sonos is uh, – do you feel like they are at risk? Would that make you unhappy? Would you like to see them continue to specialize in audio as opposed to Google and Amazon that are making whose whose products are mostly about what they can do technologically rather than the audio quality? I don't think that Sodos are at risk. I think their sound quality is far superior to anything that Amazon can offer. I don't know about. Um, Google, but listening to music through my Amazon Echo compared to my Sonos system is, there's no comparison really, but the fact that they've partnered with Amazon to put the lady into their speakers. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what everyone wants. Is <laughs> a good thing, and but the integration isn't quite there yet. I'm, I have speakers downstairs for um, Sonos, but I can't say to the Echo device, play in a group downstairs, because I've got some older devices which aren't completely compatible so there's some integration but it's not complete enough yet to make either one obsolete yeah i've got the same situation with sort of half integration i can tell my echo to play on my sonos but i don't have but since my sonos doesn't have Amazon in there. I can't tell it to play on its own. The Sonos group situation is unfortunate because you can't put one Sonos device in multiple groups without some amount of effort in, in any case. But uh, hopefully that will get better. Yeah. And the, the next time I buy a Sonos device, maybe it'll be a little smarter with that. Yeah. Which keeps yeah, me but... in the Amazon ecosystem, by the way, yeah. because they have that integration. <laughs> and even though I'm intrigued by the Google stuff, I it, it's probably one more thing that's keeping me in one camp versus the other. Yeah, do do you, do you use uh, iOS as your as your primary phone? I do. Yeah, yeah, I do as well. Yeah, so that, that so that's certainly you. That's a that's a natural thing. Uh, there's the fact that I do so much stuff like on my and my my primary phone is an Android. I use I I use iOS and Mac OS for everything else, but my phone is an Android. So anytime I want to schedule something, my go to is to turn to my phone. Anytime uh, I want to get my contacts, it's always uh, my go to is going to the, through the phone. So uh, that's certainly an advantage that you get when you're using Android. You feel as though well, if I get the speaker, I don't have to 
do an if this then that, or I don't have to connect anything to anything else via software. It's, it's just gonna. I've already given it permission to. It's it's it's, it's an it's just another uh, it's another uh, uh, another uh, life form uh, that lives in the same pond <laughs> through and swims in the same information that I'm giving to Android. Right, and what's bonkers though is that I use a Gmail based. Uh, calendaring and content, all that stuff is in Google, right? So I could probably yeah. be more integrated. And I don't use Amazon in that way. Like, I don't do calendaring and stuff. That's all in iOS. So to the extent I do it via voice, I use Siri. Uh, but I just have not committed all my... And for reasons that I, I'm not sure whether we'll get to it or not, but I wanted to talk sort of about the privacy and security and how we feel about these companies. But I have some trepidation about Amazon. Maybe I should have more trepidation about Google. Uh, <laughs> so I don't I just don't I don't make calls on my Amazon devices. I don't give them my contacts or my calendar, although there's sometimes when I'm in my kitchen that it would be more convenient to say, tell me what's on my calendar. But I end up asking my phone, which goes which uses Siri to talk to my Google calendar. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pivot a little bit to screens. We've been talking about audio a little bit. The Facebook now has one of these things, which is its own little animal. And then uh, Google and Amazon have screen-based devices. Google, There's even this whole smart display ecosystem that Google supports. Uh, and, and so I guess I, I wonder, do you feel like having a screen, and let's leave aside the, the issue of cameras, but having a screen, having a visual display for a smart assistant is that something that, that you have used that's appealing to you that you feel like is going to be essential as we move forward in this landscape? I don't think it's going to be essential. Um, the, part, part of the fun of the sort of tech writing that I do is that um, I've thank God I don't have to be the person who there's a there's a press event. And you have to tweet during the during the press event, and then there's a demo area, and then during the demo area after the event, you have to collect enough photos and video to post a quote review or a first look or whatever that same day. My thing is to really live with the thing and and convey that that experience. And the the experience with the smart display, the Lenovo smart display, has been very informative. That um, I don't think I, I don't. Th I think that it has to be implemented very carefully because the win of a smart speaker is always I don't have to be f even facing in a specific direction to have this computer help me out. It just talks to me and I talk back to it. I like the fact that, for instance, uh, oftentimes when I'm uh, the, the, my first conversation in the morning is with my Google Home, <laughs> because I don't, I don't, I don't really have the intellectual capacity to operate a computer or anything with buttons at that point. The parts of my operating system are still booting up and loading in. Uh, so, uh, but oftentimes I'll say, oh, "What's what's the weather?" and the follow up is. Is it going to rain later today, or what's it? What's the weather going to be like in Boston if I have business like uh, 50 miles away in Boston? And so it's kind of nice when I'm sitting on the sofa and I ask the same question. It will not only tell me what the weather report is, but there's also the you know, the, the local news, uh, TV news, and and on the screen. Let's look at our five day forecast, or the, it'll give you the little icons for the rest of the day. That's nice to look at. Um, what I really kind of want to do with it is I kind of feel like I need to move it into the kitchen because not only does it do like the step-by-step -step, uh, effects for cooking videos, uh, a lot of it being done by machine learning, not because it uh, produced a video specifically for uh, uh, learning how to uh, uh, 
Kilka Pad Thai uh, via <laughs> via uh, via video instruction, uh, but because there are th- th- uh, there are times when I've I'm, I, I want to watch quote unquote like uh, like yesterday the uh, I watched the video f- the video of uh, from the Adobe Max conference where they uh, every year during this uh, Adobe Photoshop centered conference they have uh, like a demo event. Where they they have uh, in the in a big auditorium, they show off engineers show off features that they're working on that they don't know if are, are going to roll into any specific product ever. But it's just an interesting tech demo, and but it's not the sort of thing where you have to. It's it's not like uh, Blade Runner twenty thirty nine where you have to keep your eyes on the screen at all time. You're sort of listening, and then you will glance over if it looks like they're demos- they're talking about something interesting. That seems like the perfect thing to have in the kitchen because that's the way that, that that's the sort of way that I would watch this quote unquote while I'm doing the dishes or while I'm doing some baking. Uh, but for some reason, I haven't moved it into the kitchen yet. So that might say something about how these things work. Uh, Amazon, uh, excuse me, why do I keep saying Amazon when I want to say Google? Uh, usually Very I'm saying- Freudian, Andy. <laughs> uh, usually it's, usually it's, I say Apple when I mean to say Google. So uh, take that as, take that any, any people who are psychiatrists or therapists, uh, as, as you're interpreted as you will. Um, the uh, uh, Google has made uh, uh, the first kind of major upgrade to it by uh, uh, during the uh, big uh, event where they launched like their new phones a couple of weeks ago. They also announced that they're uh, a new uh, Google, a new Google made uh, smart display that uh, isn't supposed to really compete with Lenovo or other companies, but also, as usual, is designed to show off what it can do, but also is an occasion to roll out. Here's, uh, an, here's a, fo- a new focus for it, for it to be the controller, so to speak, for all of your smart devices. So uh, it still won't be something that you necessarily have to reach out and touch and, uh, and pinch and scroll through. But the thing is, when you ask, hey, turn, off my, turn on my lights, it might, even, it might show you a control panel now so that you can interact with it further or if you if you're in the if you're watching a movie maybe and you don't want to actually <laughs> interrupt the, the, the two or three people who are in the room with you just because you want to turn on the turn off the the outside lights because now it's nine o'clock uh th- so maybe i shouldn't put it in the kitchen now so it's it's an interesting way to go i think that uh, combining a screen with a, a smart speaker is a very version 1.0 sort of stuff, just like the first smart speakers were very much version 1.0 sort of stuff, where we're going to, uh, hopefully, if they're smart designers, they're going to look at how people are interacting with these and not roll out these new features in such a way that uh, it will ruin the experience for, uh, uh, ruin what makes it such a unique thing. It's not a tablet, it's not a tablet computer uh, that has a good speaker attached to it. it really is a smart speaker with a screen attached so it really has to always be that it always has to be voice that is your first line of uh, of interaction with it yeah okay. um i've never really got into the smart speaker with the screen attached you said andy um it's not something that really appeals to me i feel feel that we've got enough screens in our lives already with phones, tablets, computers, televisions. Um, also, the new Facebook one that's been released. I'm not a massive fan of Facebook. I lock up even though I have got a, an account. 
I have locked all my security right down on Facebook and post yeah. very little there apart from things to do with the blog and the podcast, but I don't feel I can trust Facebook in that space in my home, uh, especially with the, all of the security breaches that have recently been coming to light with Facebook. So, although it may appeal to some lung, younger people who live their lives on Facebook, I don't think anybody who's really into tech will trust Facebook in the way that they trust other companies. Um, also, with the screens, if I was to ask one of these screen devices to do something and a interface came up on on the screen it would be impossible for me to carry on using that device to do the actual thing that I wanted because of my disability but I can see why some people are looking to the screen devices because it gives an extra level of feedback, but personally for myself, it's not something that I feel that I'm going to either get into or even give a try sort of thing. Yeah, it's the 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 thing that I like about it is that uh, again, it will it, it's still primarily a voice device, so nothing that it there's there there shouldn't be any features that are touch sensitive that are touch re- requiring. But it's the sort of thing where if you ask, uh, uh, what's the what's the tra- what's the traffic like to to work today, it will give you the usual spoken, but will also throw up onto the screen the Google Maps with all the the red segments and the the green segments. So yeah, that's you're absolutely right. That's the sort of thing that they have to uh, keep keep on track that the the screen is just there to sort of amplify and ex- and amend the information that you asked for as opposed to another darn screen in your house you yeah. have to touch and keep clean. Yeah, in digging up uh, links for this show, I found that there are some accessibility features in the smart display uh, universe, and I think those are probably for mostly visual and hearing accessibility. So they wouldn't. I don't know how they address uh, the need to touch the screen or not. But I was intrigued by that because the more companies have been sensitive to the need to include accessibility features, it feels like those things that are on the bleeding edge. And I still think smart speakers with screens are a little bit on the bleeding edge tend to lag in accessibility. So I actually may have to get one of those for for testing and see if I can sell an article on that basis because I'm intrigued by, number one, how much accessibility is actually required to function, to use it. Do you need to touch it? Do you need to have it read text to you in order for you to get all of the things from the device that it can give you? And and number two, um, I can't remember what number two is. But in any case, uh, <laughs> but I'll just say my, my thing about screens is I, I keep the Echo Dot, which is in the kitchen, which is the one I use most often, way high up on top of a cabinet. And that's on purpose because I don't have that much cabinet space. And I actually like the sound, the way the audio 
comes out and the way I'm actually able to interact with the microphone because it's way up high because there's all that airspace that allows the audio to travel effectively. And as I say, I don't want it on my kitchen cabinet. So having a screen there wouldn't make a lot of sense for me. And I guess I wonder for people who have it in their kitchen whether that's they're, they're going to have to buy a stand. I think Google has a lovely stand that they're happy to sell you. Um, what, what I do is I have an older iPad and I have it on a stand that's clamped to my counter. And I don't really want to watch cooking videos while I'm cooking. I would like to either have Amazon give me an interface that I could interact with in a more deep way uh, with nested commands, but that's a, a, a discussion for another time. Or I would do what I do now, which is go to the iPad screen and look at the paprika display of what's in my recipe and how to make it. But the idea of I, that I'd have to watch a video while I was cooking, that, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I just don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, they, they, they try to smarten it up. By, it, it's, not watching, they, it's not watching a video while you go. It really is. They break it down into steps, and they will show you the There's step, and then... And then it stops yeah. until you're ready to go to the next one. But yeah, that's that. That, that is the. I, I it, just talking about it reminds me of uh, every like home computer ad when uh, in like the early '80s, which also include and you can mom can store her recipes on it, and they show this three thousand dollar computer in a kitchen on the kitchen table to show in like f- forty character text one egg in all caps. Like, okay, I'm not sure that that's exactly what people are going to use it for. No, but. and mom has so much room in her kitchen for that. That's always the thing. I think about. I'm going to put, I don't have room for my bread machine. When I make bread, I have to haul it out of the utility room. I'm certainly not going to put a screen yeah. in my kitchen. Also, I, I know I a lot of people watch television in their kitchen, and my, my kitchen is a pass-through, and if I want to watch TV, I can see into the living room. But even so, uh, it seems a little odd. But perhaps in the bedroom, which is where it becomes creepy, but we don't have time to talk about privacy and security, but let's just stipulate that there are a lot of privacy and yeah. security issues with all these companies. Uh, but, but let me really quickly before we run out of time, ask you, what are smart assistants, virtual assistants, speakers, what are they bad at? What would you like them to do that they don't do and you're just appalled at how terrible they are? I think that the the thing that I don't like about the, the, the ways that these things usually let me down is when uh, it, tr- it tries to be helpful by being proactive a little bit in its re- in its responses. And the number of times where, like particularly when I'm playing music, that uh, it's it has misheard something, or uh, sometimes we're we're seeing we're seeing like Google Music spam happening, so that there's a there's a feature in Google Home so you can uh, ask uh, these smart speakers. You can say when I when I'm going to bed and if there's like some traffic noise outside, say play some uh, play the sound of rain for the next sixty minutes, and then okay playing rain for 60 minutes by fresh air music but <laughs> it's like no 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 not not someone who decided to name something after after what i what i might have asked please and it, you, you feel kind of you feel kind of rude when you're saying google stop <laughs> to make it make sure it's not going to go ahead and do something you don't like uh and and, and the, the but the and the other thing is something that i don't know how they're going to get around it's uh you ju- you really have to at some point look for a web page that shows you all what all the commands that exist because uh, whereas if you're if you get a new version of Photoshop and you notice that oh there's a new button that wasn't there before uh, you notice that maybe you'll get around to clicking that button and finding out what it what it does but if you you can't just you're not going to be in the habit of just randomly saying uh, okay Guillermo. 
uh, are the have the Red Sox traded anybody in the offseason <laughs> just to see if they've added intelligence for uh, sports news to search sports news. You're just going to keep doing the things that, that tend to work. So discovery is still a problem. Um, so I don't know how they solve that, but that that really is my uh, the number of times where I've been, oh, wow, I've been doing things the really difficult way when I could have used this really simple command that's existed for a year and three months. Yeah, my view on what they do badly is Although they're called smart speakers, there seems to be very little artificial intelligence within them. It's all um, user-based input-output. There's no um, connection of the data within the devices. Uh, say, I ask my appointments for the day and there's uh, it will just read the appointments out. It won't offer any other um, data about those appointments. If I want further data, then on Amazon, I've got to ask for it. Also, I find that just asking for music, if you want a specific album, you need to know the name of that album. And yeah. my brain will not store hundreds of thousands of album names as much as I want it to, but and there's no way of finding out in chronological order which album have, has been released by this certain artist. They're, I think there is a way on the HomePod, but with the um, Echo device, it will give probably about five albums and that's it. So there's sort of discovery um, problems with these devices as well. You, 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 you might enjoy a feature of, uh, of the Google Home where you can actually, and this is another one of those features where I didn't know it existed until I read about it. So you, you can actually say, play that David Bowie album that, where the cover is David Bowie wearing makeup, and it'll say, okay, playing the, the album Aladdin Sane by David Bowie. You can, just, you can describe the album cover, nice. and, it will, and it will find that the right album like for you. That's a good idea, yeah. That's fun, and I also want to game it. I want to like try and do say weird things and see what it comes up with. <laughs> That's just me. Yeah, I, all the things you mentioned are things I've had experiences with. And the frustrating thing about the Amazon environment is there there is the ability to do nested commands. There's a recipe skill from all recipes that will do that, but understanding the command structure is so complicated that I just gave up. So uh, the last thing we do on Parallel is the famous one more thing topic where I ask a somewhat whimsical question of my guests. And we've all been very uh, judicious about avoiding saying the names of these speakers lest we uh, trigger them. I had written a disclaimer to go to the top of the show, and I may actually still put it there so that if uh, if you are going to be triggered, uh, you, you've been warned. So, so my question to you is um, just for your own personal uh, way of communication, uh, if you had the ability to name your speaker, anything you wanted to uh what would you what would you call it 
Um, Andy, I've heard a couple of yours, but would Guillermo be your choice? Or <laughs> I, at, at this point, well, well, no. I, I, actually, I, I was—I probably shouldn't because then every time I'm podcasting, it's it true. Would, it, it would it would do something. Uh, I would. Pro- I don't know what it would be, but I would have to choose something that is so deep catalog that whenever that whenever someone's in my house and they say, "Wow." I had that the you, you, you the the name of your of your home speaker is the not the main not Jeeves the manservant in uh, not Jeeves the manservant in uh, in the PG Woodhouse stories but Bertie Wooster's first manservant whom he fired for stealing socks that allowed Jeeves to come in that is deep catalog PG Woodhouse fandom deep sir. Well done. <laughs> so you want to show off, is what you're saying? <laughs> it's a, like, oh, I'm I'm a weak, weak person. I That's need right. I need approbation wherever I where, uh, affirmation wherever I can get it. How, uh, Darren, do you have one? <laughs> um, well, mine is probably any geeks wish it would be how, uh, which is quite worrying if your name's Dave. But apart from <laughs> that, yep. Uh, Al from 2001 Space Odyssey. The uh, host of the radio show where I work is named David, and uh, so I enjoy saying, I'm sorry, Dave, I'm afraid I can't do that on a regular basis. <laughs> My first uh, Mac startup sound was that as well. Uh, I, I think I would call mine Fluffy, just because I have a tendency to yell at my speaker, and I would like to say, damn it, Fluffy, <laughs> stop it, Fluffy. Fluffy, set a timer. I just... <laughs> and I feel like... Except for except for the animal lovers in my house, I'd probably be relatively safe. It's not as deep a cut <laughs> as Andy. I want to thank you, Darren and Andy, for coming on The Parallel and talking with me about smart speakers. And before we go, I want to give each of you a chance to tell everybody where you can be found on the Internet and what you're up to. Darren, let's start with you. Um, I can be found at um, the Mac Quad, which is www.themacquad.com. And also... On the Mac Podcast, which is my podcast that I produce. Excellent, Andy. How about yourself? Uh, you can let's see. I'm uh, about every couple of weeks. I'm on uh, WGBH Boston Public Radio for a half hour talking about tech. Uh, and you can go to WGBHnews.org to find out, listen to previous shows, and find out about next shows. Uh, you can go to anatco.com if I were to fix the web the weblog that crashed a few days ago, but I'm, I'll be, get right on that. Or you can go to anatco on Twitter or anatco on Instagram to find links to stuff that I'm currently doing. Excellent. And you can follow this podcast at Parallel Pods on Twitter or go to relay.fm slash parallel. If you'd like to argue with me about smart speakers, you can follow me on Twitter at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y. And we'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Parallel. We'll see you next time.